I'm Lisa Mullins, and this is The World, a co-production of the BBC World Service, PRI, and WGBH in Boston, starting up this half of our program with a question. What country is the biggest exporter of energy to the United States? And nope, this is not our geo-quiz. Well, if you guess Saudi Arabia or Venezuela, you're way off. America's number one source of imported energy is our neighbor to the north, Canada. In recent years, Canada has quietly become an energy superpower, and that's been great for the country's economy, but some say not so good for its environment. Brian Mann of North Country Public Radio has our report. A few years ago, I traveled to far northern Quebec, paddling the wild Rupert River, where I spotted a gray wolf prowling the banks. This is the Canada most Americans think of. Empty, pristine, and incredibly beautiful. But these days, Americans are getting to know another Canada. Last fall, thousands of protesters marched in Washington, demanding that President Obama reject plans for a pipeline that would link oil fields in Canada to refineries in the U.S. Hundreds of people were arrested, including climate change activist Bill McKibben. These tar sands in Canada are a big deal. They're the second biggest pool of carbon on Earth. If you burn them heavily, then it doesn't matter what else you do. It's essentially game over for the climate. The Keystone Pipeline has since become one of the hottest political footballs in Washington. And the debate has illuminated Canada's little-known role as a major energy exporter. Keystone or no Keystone, the truth is Americans are already drinking deep from Canadian oil. So that right now we're putting our hands on the actual pipeline, and yep. this is the oil flowing through right here. Yes, sir. This is a high-tech pump station in Steel City, Nebraska. It looks like a spaceship that's landed smack in the middle of the American prairie. The existing pipeline now will move about 570,000 barrels a day. Jim Krause shows me around. He works for TransCanada, the company that wants to build the Keystone Project. It turns out TransCanada already operates a massive pipeline grid that stretches from Alberta to Oklahoma. All the station functions, the pipeline is operated out of our control center in uh, Calgary. This lonely outpost, unmanned most of the year, is a symbol of a North American energy market that's become deeply intertwined. Canada is now the largest single foreign supplier of oil to the U.S., delivering nearly twice as much each year as Saudi Arabia. 90% of natural gas imports to the U.S. are also piped from Canada. And in the Northeast, one out of every six homes and businesses now runs on Canadian electricity, and there's more on its way. The great hydro and wind resources that exist in Canada today need markets. Donald Jessam is head of a Toronto-based company called TDI that's developing a new $2 billion cable that will feed electricity from Quebec directly to New York City. A thousand megawatts is approximately enough energy for a million homes, so it's a fairly significant injection into the New York market. Industry groups in Canada say it's a perfect fit. Their country's huge energy resources will fuel America's huge energy demand. And they've been airing ads like this one, putting a positive spin on the oil sands by arguing that Canadian energy will help free the U.S. from reliance on countries in the Middle East. Why are we paying their bills and funding their oppression? Today, there's a better way. Ethical oil from Canada's oil sands. Ethical oil. A choice For Canadians, meanwhile, the energy boom has meant new prosperity. Canada was the first G8 country to emerge from the global recession. A lot of economists say energy exports fueled the recovery. 
But critics say the environmental costs have been staggering. In 2009, a year after I paddled that wild northern river in Canada, a government agency diverted much of its water, siphoning it away into a massive man-made complex of reservoirs. The Rupert is drastically changed, a traditional river that's been, you know, paddled for hundreds and hundreds of years by the Cree. From a purist wilderness standpoint, it definitely makes me sad to see it all happen. Phil Royce is a geologist at St. Lawrence University in New York. He says a chunk of Quebec the size of Connecticut has been industrialized. Rivers have been dewatered. Wolf and caribou habitat is crisscrossed by roads and power lines with more big dams in the works. The next section, the phase three that they're looking at in terms of the little whale, uh, the great whale, and the Nastapoka are some of the most beautiful, pristine rivers that I've ever paddled. Others share those concerns. Elizabeth May, head of Canada's Green Party, says the direct damage from tar sands oil development in western Canada is even more troubling. Some of the largest man-made structures in the world are the dams that hold the thousands of square kilometers of toxic water in tailing ponds, and those tailing ponds are leaching into the Athabasca River. The whole project is an abomination. May acknowledges that the energy boom has meant jobs and tax revenues. She says it's inevitable that her country's vast resources will be developed over time. But May thinks Canada's accelerating energy gold rush is forcing people here to look in the mirror, questioning their cherished image as environmental leaders. You know, we've never had a record that equaled our reputation. We've been coasting for years basically on natural beauty and on a time when we were in the lead. A decade ago, Canada championed efforts to protect global biodiversity and curb greenhouse gas pollution. But late last year, Prime Minister Stephen Harper withdrew Canada from the Kyoto Climate Treaty. He's pledged to keep pushing Washington to open the border to even more oil, electricity and natural gas from the north. For The World, I'm Brian Mann.